The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hi, it's Eric Savitz. I'm Associate Editor for Technology at Barron's. This is Barron's Live, uh, or tech, tech Trader on Barron's Live. Uh, the first one of 2023, and this is sort of a special occasion. We are live at CES. Uh, this is the uh, the week that we have the, the everyone who works in technology is uh, descends on uh, on on Sin City for a very large tech trade show. With me today is Brian uh, Kamiski, who is uh, uh, a v- VP, a director, director, a director uh, with with the Consumer Technology uh, Consumer Technology Association, Association. Yeah, yeah, CTA, uh, which, CTA, which runs uh, which runs CES every year, has been doing that since the 1960s, I believe. Yes. Um, I have not been to all of them. I'm not that old, but <laughs> uh, but I have been to many many shows, and this is a fascinating year for uh, for CES. I think it will promise to be a, a fascinating year for CES. The show officially gets going. Uh, there's the opening keynote Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. The show floor opens Thursday. Will be open for four days, and we will be seeing a lot of things. Uh, Brian, thanks for being with us. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me, and just excited to be back in Vegas for CES. Yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about what's happened over the last few years, right? So the uh, the last big show, last full-size CES, mm-hmm. uh, was right before the pandemic. Yeah, about uh, 170,000 people, CES 2020. It was my first show, actually, as part of CTA. And then what happened after that? We had the pandemic. Um, and then we shifted, I think, quite admirably to a digital venue where we were able to keep the magic of the show with the digital venue in 2021. And then last year, we began that return in 2022. And it was nice because we figured out there was the hybrid model. We're Mm -hmm. looking at, I think most people in the workforce are looking at some form of permanency in the hybrid environment. So it was great to have that model in last year's show. And then this year, we're going to have the digital venue, but we're looking back to having about a 70% bigger footprint than last year's show. Right. So last year, there were about 40,000 people here. I was here. I was, I think I was, it was, uh, it was very quiet uh, relative to for anybody who's been here in the past. All the things that people complain about at CES were not a problem, like cab lines and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and it was, and there were, um, and quite a few of the uh, uh, the uh, the participants dropped out, and so, but it was uh, there were, it had a sort of the show must go on uh, kind of feel. Um, and well, when you think about that too, you you think a lot of the exhibitors really want that show, especially when you think uh, I think the last stat out of CS twenty twenty in particular was ninety four percent of annual sales for exhibitors are impacted by attendance at the show. Right. So it was a lot of it was those smaller and medium-sized exhibitors. It was important to keep going in some fashion. And, you know, we owed that sort of continue, that innovation continues to happen, especially in times of sort of downturn or right. or um, un- instability. So this year we should have, what, about 100,000 people to show? Yeah, we're on track for about 100,000 attendees. We'll obviously know more once the, we do our recording at the end of the show. Uh, about a third of them are going to be from the outside of the United States as well. So we're keeping on track with the fact that this is truly a global show uh, with innovation from across the world. Right. So one thing that has changed, I believe, on that front is mm-hmm. the number of participants uh, from China. Um, 
talk a little bit about what's happened there in terms of their ability to participate in the show. And they've been a big part of the show um, in, for many years. Yeah, of course. I, yeah, they've naturally, there's been a lot of companies out of China. There still will be some chi- companies out of China, but we're really excited about the fact that, again, in that global nature, we'll be seeing some participation from other parts of the globe as well. Um, Ukraine will actually have a pavilion in Tech West, uh, part of the Venetian, as well as uh, we're going to have our first ever exhibitors from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Um, but in terms of China, naturally, we've updated our COVID testing policy in the last few days to be more reflective of changes at the national level, because that's something that's important to us, monitoring right. and making sure that we have the health protocols in place that will give a good experience. Um, and so we'll still have those exhibitors, but like anything, it changes with the nature of you know who's able to participate in an exhibit. But either way, we're looking at about 3,200 exhibitors in total, um, about 1,000 startups in Eureka Park, which mm-hmm. shows that innovation is not stopping and it's happening everywhere yeah so eureka park for the people who don't know is a an area of the show floor that is uh is is dominated by startups it's mm-hmm. all where, where many many startups are and it's a very different feel than the main uh, part of the show floor so if you were to walk into the, the central hall in uh in the las vegas uh, convention center uh, which has always been and remains uh the home to samsung and sony and many of the other large consumer electronics brands you see vast spaces. Um, mm-hmm. I think Samsung has, has generally been the largest. I'm not sure who the largest is. Samsung has a pretty large footprint consistently. Sony has a large footprint, so has LG. Um, you've hit it where there, in Central Hall, we've had consistent exhibitors uh, in kind of that nature around more right. kind of the wide variety of consumer technologies like screens. But I, I really like Eureka Park because that's showcasing that innovation that occurs no matter what size right. of the company. and. And that's the beauty of the show, though. The convention center has its own sort of culture. The right. Venetian Expo has culture. And then even the Aria with C-Space over right. what we call Which Excel. Which is more content. It's content, tech. entertainment, marketing. Right. Completely different culture as well. But the thing that unites it all at the end of the day is technological innovation and, and the ability of getting that serendipity of being back in person. So, so one of the interesting things about this year's show, I think, is, um, well, the, we'll talk on a, a, about a few. One is when you look at the list of keynotes. Mm-hmm. And... Historically, um, CES keynotes have um, have been uh, done by a whole range of a, kind of a who's who of the history of the technology business. Mm-hmm. Bill Gates did them for yeah. like more than a decade straight. Um, John Chambers, when mm-hmm. he was the CEO of Cisco, a whole parade of CEOs from Intel. Um, Howard Stringer, when he was the CEO of Sony, like lots of iconic um, players in the, in the in the technology business. When you look at this year's list of keynotes, uh, the, the opening keynote is is by uh, Lisa Su from AMD, mm-hmm. um, who will kick things off uh, tomorrow night. But then you get um, you get people from companies that you might not think of as technology players. Uh, two automakers, Stellantis yeah. and BMW, are both mm-hmm. doing keynotes. Delta Airlines not does not leave to mind as like the the, yeah. the most uh, tech centric mm-hmm. company. Um, John Deere. Uh, who has been an increasing presence at the show over the last few years. Um, the tractor and construction equipment company is going to be here. It, it kind of begs the question about what the show is about at some level, right? Well, um, if it's a show about everything, um, is it a show about anything? Like, it, it's kind of a, like, wait, how yeah, do you think about sign, that? You're getting almost into like a sample it, thing there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say there, I would actually argue the first, this is the first time we've had a unifying theme at this show, which really centers around tech is solving our biggest global challenges. And so when you think, what does that mean in action? We have a partnership with the World Academy of Arts and Sciences, as well as the United Nations, right. focusing on human securities for all, and it's tackling right. things like food insecurity, right. uh, environmental security. 
So when you start to think about freedom of movement, when you start to think about some of these keynotes that come here, right. it's showcasing that every company has a technological footprint in some form and right. can innovate in a lot of ways. Right. Two auto manufacturers makes complete sense because right. a lot of companies, if you talk to them about a company like BlackBerry, for example, right. they won't even call it a car. They'll call it a software-defined view. Right. An SDV because right. there's so much software powering your cars. Whether and that's we're not just talking about autonomous driving. We're right. talking about infotainment features, GPS, sure. and navigation. So major innovation there. And we're in the massive electrification phase too, where a lot of Stellantis will be unveiling some exciting EV models, including a Dodge right. Ram. But ag tech too fits into this, especially when you think about food insecurity right. um, and environmental protection. Uh, they've won an innovation award in the previous years for their sea and spray technology, right. which is uses AI to better distribute pesticide. When you think right. about any reduction of pesticide is good overall right. for food security and the autonomous tractors can also help be more efficient in providing food. And then uh, lastly, I think Abbott also has a keynote presence as well. And you think about the last few years of the yes. pandemic, health t- innovation and technology around testing right. has been incredible. Yeah, and that, Abbott was actually actually here, uh, their CEO gave a mm-hmm. keynote last year um, yeah. in, in the middle of... Uh, uh, yeah, very difficult moment. Um, so let's talk about. So speaking of being in the middle of a difficult moment, um, sure. so we're uh, we've the tech sector uh, has had a, a very difficult time. Had a very difficult time in 2022 uh, for the reasons all of our readers know. Right, um, uh, the Fed raised rates. Uh, the inflation was high. Uh, the dollar strengthened, which tends to be a problem for uh, for U- uh, U.S. companies with significant overseas. Um, um, uh, revenue. Um, there's fear of uh, of a recession. We have a whole host of problems. We we seem we survived the component shortage issue, and now we seem to have the opposite problem. Now we have a glut of components in the semiconductor industry. Um, but all that happens at this moment in time. And, and one thing, you know, I look back at if you go back to attendance at the show in 2009, um, uh, you know, sort of in the middle of the, the Great Recession. Uh, attendance dropped off by about 20% from the year before. And I wonder how you think the economic environment is playing into this year's show in terms of both who's here, attendance, how people are thinking about it. And this is a different year in part because this is the first time people are back, and for many people, that they're back in Las Vegas since pre, pre-COVID. That's an excellent question. I, I look at it, right? We're talking about those numbers. We have about 3,200 exhibitors, 1,000 new exhibitors. So new 1,000 new exhibitors. Yeah, with the startup. So right. the idea of just having new companies across the board is right. is excellent and showcases something that uh, there's a quote that I like to go to. And I'm, I think you're actually going to hear it tonight at the Tech Trends to Watch from mm-hmm. a colleague, which is uh, it's from an economist, Christopher Freeman, yep. out of the UK. And he always said in times of economic uncertainty, innovation actually bunches up and accelerates, right. unleashing the next wave of technology. When you think about 2008 recession, companies that came out of that were Airbnb, Credit Karma, Uber, a lot of these services around right. um, that. But if you want to go back to we're coming out of the pandemic, which creates certain choppiness right. in the markets as well. Um, if you go back to the SARS pandemic, Alibaba and JD.com became companies that we know them today. Right. During that time, converting really from those you know very niche e-commerce companies to the, the right. giants they are now. So when we look at it now, I think this is it's more important than ever to talk about what innovation will mean. Because when you're looking at recessionary pressure of the moment right now, which right. I think every analyst is talking sure. about, certainly, and I right. probably, your readers and listeners know about 
we think about what, what are the tools I can get out of it. And one of the big ones is things like productivity automation mm -hmm. via technology. So we are going to talk about that actually tomorrow. I, I'll be doing a panel on the new digital utilities, cybersecurity, cloud right. computing, and AI and robotics and talking about they're not optional upgrades anymore. Right. These are technological necessities that companies will need to, to really embark on and use in order to effectively have secure assets. Right. Because if you'll lose money if you don't have good cybersecurity, right. but cloud computing and robotics give you scalability and then simulation of human labor. We have about 2.5 quintillion bytes of data produced <laughs> every day. That's 2.5 with 18 zeros right. followed by it. And we think about that as productive as we as humans can be, we can't simply meet all that data. So that's right. where that simulation technology will come into play. And that sort of productivity will help at least alleviate a lot of those recessionary pressures. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the themes of the Show. Yeah. So uh, there's no way to know that from where we're sitting right now, but yeah. we are in the West Hall of yep. Las Vegas, Las Vegas uh, Convention Center, which is the newest and uh, sleekest, spiffiest looking part of the convention center, uh, which is also happens to be home uh, to most of the automotive uh, displays. Um, not all of them, but most of them are yeah. here. And it is a packed show floor in the West Hall. Completely uh, sold out. Completely sold out. Mm -hmm. And I, I think uh, when I talked to Gary Shapiro, who of course is uh, your boss, the yep. president of CTA, uh, a few weeks ago, he mentioned that I think something like 15% or more of the show floor is automotive related in one way or another. And of course, it's not just automotive, it's, you know, it's trucks and uh, scooters and uh, it's, all, the whole ecosystem. it's the whole ecosystem of mobility, including chargers and, um, and you know, the, uh, the, the whole semiconductor of sector, all the people who are producing platforms for EVs yeah. and AVs, companies like Qualcomm and Mobileye, um, yeah. NVIDIA, they're all wandering around. NVIDIA actually did an announcement this morning. They kind of got the official, they got a little bit of a jump on yeah. the uh, the official keynotes by doing their own uh, thing this mm -hmm. morning virtually. Um, and so they're all talking about that. Um, is Do you think that's the single biggest trend that we're seeing this year at the show? And it's been growing. This is not mm -hmm. the first year this yeah. is true, though. But it does seem to be uh, one of the biggest opportunities for the industry, right? Now. Yeah. Well, I think pivoting back, I do think that that central theme overall for the show again is how are, how is technology tackling global challenges. But one of the key technology themes and subsectors that we'll see right. is certainly in mobility. And you're right; it's the whole ecosystem. Right. And I think the big one is electrification. That story continues mm -hmm. to be big. I, I talked about Solantis unveiling some models, but right. we'll see. BMW unveiling some EV models, um, and but it's not just cars. Uh, we're going to see electrification by sea and air as well. So we'll see electric boats. Marine tech is actually right. one of our newest exhibit categories. Right. Well, I know uh, Brunswick is uh, the Brunswick's going to be here. Volvo, Penta, and then uh, Candel will be showcasing. Um, they created the CA electric boat. They're mm -hmm. actually over in North Hall, so there is actually some, some overflow. Foot, <laughs> well, just some, where the footprint lies right. around on that technology, and then naturally we'll see some electric vertical takeoff vehicles um kind right. of that future of what does air mobility look like right um and so that's the electrification story we'll have uh, blinks here zook so you'll see mm -hmm. a lot more around that charging infrastructure because with the inflation reduction act we're bound to see a lot of activity right certainly in the space of people being more interested in right. investing in ev but there's also the smart mobility story so right. we'll see autonomous vehicles whether those be car demonstrations out right. in the west lot so outside right. west hall they're actually see, you can go take, can, a, take a test drive and well, and what's cool about that technology too is they're now showcasing how they can prioritize different situations based on the sensor data that comes in. So prioritizing 
you know, if there's micro mobility or scooters or e-bikes near you, or if you're in an emergency setting. Right. Um, and then LIDAR is going to have a major component right. because when you think about what goes into autonomous, again, it's that ecosystem. Right. So we'll see exhibitors like your Luminars and your Ousters showcase some of their chips right. all the way to their sensor components and partnerships with people like Volvo. Right. Okay. So that's one big theme of the show. So yeah. another one that I think is going to be interesting to see how it unfolds involves uh, the metaverse, yeah. VR, AR. Now, that's an interesting problem, right? How do you, how do you in, a, in a show that is traditionally about, you know, big TVs and, you know, big physical things to look at, right? Um, the metaverse is, by definition, in the metaverse. Um, so, so there, there, now, one element of that is, is um, of course, is headsets. Certainly. And there will be some of those, right? I think uh, HTC will be here. Um, my understanding is we'll hear a little bit more from Sony around their PlayStation VR. Um, what you're getting at is what's your gateway to the metaverse? Because right. I think first, when I think about this theme, CES is going to be the show of building blocks in the metaverse. What are those right. current innovations? Because I think a lot of people jump right to Ready Player One when right. they talk about the metaverse. Like yes. I think a lot of people think of that. Metaverse is also a term that's existed since the early right. 90s. Um, but what we're going to see here, what are the current applications today that one can be used for? And you've, we've brought up, we've talked about consumer headsets, right. but what about other types of immersion and last year we saw a lot with haptics the advancement of that right. physical sensation in addition to immersive audio and and uh visual but there's actually an exhibitor going to be over in the venetian called ovr technology mm -hmm. have you heard no, about them at all? so ovr stands for olfactory virtual reality oh i did hear about this <laughs> so yeah so digital scent technology within it and you think i think there's a lot of the jump to uh, it sounds like like almost like smell vision like adding to that scent but when you think about the use case applications, a really good example is my understanding is that they're using it to train surgeons. When you think about a new surgeon entering an environment, scent has a, it's our seventy percent of our memory is impacted by scent. Mm -hmm. In a lot of ways, it's very primal sort of instinct and sense that we right. have. So if you're entering a new surgery space, you might be prepared with even with current VR technologies of how do I navigate the surgery? I can do all the physical movements. I know exactly where to look and how it will sound. Right, but that's a very visceral experience and smell. So for surgeons, this is that application of game more fully immersed into right. this environment. I do think it, it raises an interesting question about the metaverse, which mm -hmm. is to your point, people do picture, you know, mm -hmm. the ready player one uh, kind of, yeah. uh, so I'm going to wear the haptic suit mm -hmm. for eight hours straight and be in some virtual place. It's kind of a dystopian view of the world, right? That you want to spend that kind of time doing that. But I do think that for, uh, there, there are a whole host of, commercial industrial applications. Mm -hmm. I saw a couple of interesting ones at last year's show. Yeah. Uh, one, for example, was designed for uh, to do occupational physical therapy yeah. uh, for patients who may not have access to, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, a, 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 you know, direct human contact to do yeah. those kinds of things. And you can do it in the metaverse. Or I saw another kind of odd one, I think it was through with, uh, partnered with HTC. They were training people to use fire extinguishers yeah. Uh, in in the metaverse, so uh, and as a way of it's a, like a digital, it's this concept of digital twinning, uh, which is a concept I think we're going to hear more and more about. We're going to hear a lot of that. Right. Show. So um, I know that voice. Nvidia talked about that this morning. Um, that this notion that you create a virtual mm. uh, copy of something and then it allows you to do a certain uh, level of testing and experimentation that uh, you might not be able to do in the real yeah, world. Yeah, uh, Siemens over in North Hall is going to be showcasing. They've partnered. There's a company that in Italy developed. Uh, Nemo's garden is what it's called. It's an underwater farm. So fully growing out in plants. And when you think about it, if you're growing underwater, you're naturally 
going into the hydro cycle, right. which salt water to fresh air, you're actually fresh water, you're reducing the use of water. But think about where, if you can put that in a place like Italy, it makes, it almost makes sense where we have conflict in Europe right. going on right now. So if you have the inability to grow crops on land, right. you have to have an underwater farm would make sense. So what Siemens is doing is they've partnered with this company that's developed these underwater farms mm -hmm. and they're using digital twin technology to help scale up and mass produce these farms. Because again, better for places with water insecurity, better right. with food insecurity, environmental impact. So that's where you're seeing, again, metaverse technology being used today. Right. Stemming back to that central right. theme I was talking about, which is right. how is it solving? Yeah. Major so I, I think we ha there's a little bit of a labeling problem uh, with mm -hmm. using the metaverse as a catch all where people immediately leap to the like, you know, Facebook Mark Zuckerberg version of the of the yeah. metaverse is the sort of all encompassing it's, world that you might participate in. Right now, it's in almost like metaverses is yeah. maybe the way to think about it. Where it's yeah, Meta is developing right. their own space. HTC is developing. It'll take time to get to sort of that interoperability of that seamless experience. But it's also not always about the headset and the, and kind of putting on those suits. Pokemon Go was, I think, a lot yes. of people's first experience with the metaverse. Well, so the you can access yes, through your phone. That's true. But the thing about Pokemon Go that I think has left some people um, a little disappointed is that was 20, what, 15, mm -hmm. 16? Mm -hmm. um, it's been a few years, yeah. and we haven't had a lot of follow-up experiences that are like that one. Now, I will say one other thing, though, on your point about it not necessarily involving um, headsets. Um, I like to uh, cycle in my, I'm a cyclist in my yeah. uh, free time when I have free time. Uh, and that includes not being just out on the road, but like uh, virtually. So yeah. I, uh, there's a service I'm sure a lot of people know called Zwift uh, with a Z, mm -hmm. like Swift, but with nice. a Z. Uh, Zwift is a, is a, a virtual cycling platform. Mm -hmm. um, and I was uh, maybe a year ago or so, I was you know, right about the metaverse, realized uh, I'm, I'm already in the metaverse yeah. uh, in, a, in a virtual world uh, where you can have put on different a different costume, ride a different yeah. bike. There's a form of kind of a form of currency um, and a bunch of other things that make it feel like a virtual world, but it's a closed one. It's very yeah. limited to and the it's gamified that you have, and it's gamified yeah. and all that stuff. Um, and uh, there's a little bit of advertising. It's largely subscription uh, yeah. uh, based, but there's lots of those kinds of things out there uh, that have a little bit different feel. I mean, and the metaverse, I think, has taken a and it's not surprising, a lot of the virtual engines powering it come from the gaming community. So yeah. I look at Fortnite and Roblox are huge, and those right. are major, met yeah. arguably metaverses where you're also right. like, especially defined by the blending of IP when you think about right. it, right? Um, and so I think a lot of it is, when when I think about how what gaming and the metaverse, that relationship is, gaming started in a lot of ways when you're playing online, maybe right. a bit more competitive, um, right. right? And then in the pandemic, a lot of people started gaming for the first time just to talk people to, right. to see people not uh, just to shoot yeah right yeah right yeah, right um like there's creative modes and i think right. people turn us Fortnite. a lot of people do the creative modes that's connection right so you're going from competition to connection what the metaverse and a lot of these building applications that we're starting to see especially on the enterprise side is moving towards that collaboration phase right. um in a lot of ways so so what one thing that uh, has been in the news a lot lately uh is this notion of generative ai and i think mm -hmm. it does get yeah. uh it does get at it's another sort of technology where I'm not sure how it might show up in the, on the show floor directly, but AI will show up all over the show floor. Talk a little bit about where you think that shows up uh, this year. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, so AI, um, and this is something we've calling it kind of that digital utility, view it really as a horizontal 
technology more than anything, right? Where mm -hmm. it cuts across and permeates different tech categories right. and helps improve the optimal right. efficiency and performance right. of them. So what you'll be seeing a lot of times is AI in the background helping improve tools with like different sort of uh, functions and use cases. Um, I know Palantir will be on the floor, so I'm looking forward yeah. to seeing what they'll be bringing from an AI perspective. Right. Um, Cause I think that's a little bit when people think an AI company or something with an AI. Yeah, effect, that's definitely that's right. where they go to. So I'll be over in North Hall. We have the whole AI section, but you have kind of the other thing is like, what is it underpinning? How is it helping improve other performance? So I know that there's one company that's like Refraser uh, out in the Venetian, which will take um, kind of how you are working with uh, advertising uh, from a model, like or just seeing a visual right. and put it in reformat to your website and just a like a short amount of time. So you have right. advertising ready to go in a digital metaverse right. environment. Um, AI and accessibility is also going to be big. We're kind of using artificial intelligence to push through and improve how people are experiencing other worlds. So I think horizontal is going to be where it shows up the most. Right. And I think- So it's, not, it's less about a freestanding, yeah. this is an AI application, sort of like chat GBT, which we've all been talking yeah. about recently, yeah. uh, but more about it's an ingredient Mm -hmm. In lots of experiences, and in fact, uh, with with Nvidia's uh, news this morning, you saw a little bit of that. Yeah. Where they talk about it um, in in the context of automotive, or in yeah. uh, the context of uh, creative uh, creation, uh, content creation, or in the con context of even um, gaming, uh, right? So having their their graphics specialists, and that that all fits into that um, fits across the board. It underpins so, everything we do as a consumer yeah. when we think about it. Like most of our recommendations from Netflix, most of our recommendations from Amazon are actually right. and have been AI generated right. for some time. Okay, so so let's yeah. let's we have a few minutes left. Let's talk a little bit about a few other themes that you yeah. think we'll have at the show this year. Um, you know, you talk about this overarching theme about solving the world's problems, mm -hmm. um, health and uh, wellness is yeah. always a big theme at the show. What do you think we're going to see this year? Well, I'm really excited because I think you're going to see, I think when we think about a digital health technology, I'm wearing a smart watch right now. Mm -hmm. I think this is where we first go to for where that hits on consumers, right? right. And it was about tracking things like, you know, heart rate, right. blood glucose, oxygen. Like we saw like oxygen monitoring, right. something that changed during the pandemic and a lot of those acceleration of testing materials last right. year. We're going to keep seeing this expansion of what therapeutic areas that digital health can help power consumers with right. um so we'll see things like i know sk major korean conglomerate mm -hmm. is going to be showcasing their zero glasses technology Which over is, in central what is that so this pairs with the zero app on your phone these are uh glasses that you wear that can monitor and detect uh all act changes in brain activity to measure and help predict when someone with epilepsy might have a seizure oh, wow. and it pairs with your phone um we're also going to see some medical devices like um, abbott's bringing their proclaim plus uh, which will show it's an implantable device and it's actually a spinal core stimulation for pain relief. Uh, so we're talking about these deeper applications right. again, pairing right to your phone, a lot of aging in place technology mm -hmm. there that allows better remote patient monitoring between providers and the elderly. Um, ARP is going to have right. showcasing a ton of that over in um, the Venetian Expo. Mm -hmm. So again, it's really expanding that footprint of what are we empowering consumers to be able to take more control of right. their fitness? I know I live, I, I use a smartwatch because I have to maintain that. I'm happy we're sitting. I'm, I have a gout right. attack right now. And right. to maintain and track that, I use technology on a daily basis. So what I'm looking forward to personally, as well as someone at CTA, is seeing what's that next thing that can help me empower me further as a consumer and as a patient. Right. 
Yeah, I like it for step counting. Uh, oh, yeah. As you walk around the show, everybody likes to talk about how many miles oh. they've walked. Around. Oh, I'm, I'm excited to see uh, what my counts yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, so let's talk about. So, one thing that uh, I, I want to touch on is, um, you know, if you look at the history of CES, and it, we're now more than 50 years of the show, would go back at some point in time. They have twice a year, and it was in Chicago, and yeah. lots of things have been introduced at the show over the years. Um, iconic products, right? The VCR, compact disc players, DVD players, you know, Xbox, like lots of things have shown up at the show, uh, uh, initiated the show, got unveiled at the show. Um, do you think, if you think about what we're going to see this year, does anything that you're aware of, what stands out? Like what, maybe it's not a single product, but maybe yeah. there's a few things that if you yeah. were, if somebody had a day, if they were here sure. for a day, what should they go see or where, where should they go with the show? Uh, that's a good question. So some of the examples I've been citing have been very intentional. So like if I had to, if I was over in North Hall, I certainly yeah. would be going to the Nemo's Garden at Stevens because I think that's just isn't that what tech's about right. to help solve challenges like right. uh, food insecurity. Um, if I was had a day, Microsoft is back on the show floor in two locations for the first time in over a decade. So they're right. going to have a uh, showcase in Central Hall around gaming. So mm -hmm. I'm just excited to hear what they're talking about right. from a gamer perspective and their partners. But in West Hall, this is the interesting thing. They're partnering, partnering with a company called Touchcast. Mm -hmm. I think like Metaverse is a service. This is you walk into a room like, like us and say this background changes and becomes a virtual storefront. Where you can interact with a right. shopping assistant right um so we're, we're not going to do that yeah we're not going to do that here i'm sorry <laughs> um but it overall though it's it's just exciting because it's right. again showcasing more of that immersive worlds that people can just walk into without wearing a right. set uh like a setup uh, even though they are fun to wear but um and so i think about those i think about i mean i like I, I'm excited to see Stellantis and companies like VinFast see their new right. electric vehicle models in West Hall. Right. So VinFast is a Vietnamese yeah. uh, auto company that yep. they were here last year. They were here year, last year the unveiling, yeah, for the first time unveiling new, like, I think it was five new EV models. And I believe last I heard that they were starting sales in the United States and Europe at the close of like a few weeks ago. At the close of 2022. So think about what that does. Like it's a leap right. where they had just really built like a San Francisco showcase. Right. But that's, isn't that the beauty of it again, right? Like is this where you see these companies that make these now so they're coming for the first time and right. then you can see it, you know, within a year at your home. Um, and then obviously smart home technologies like at LG and Samsung right. are going to be really exciting to see. I think there's some really cool bespoke refrigerators, um, just smarter washing machines, like stuff that like when I eventually own a home, I... Those are the first things I would think of, right. not just because they're so efficient to use AI, but they also have better sustainable impact. So I think of those exhibitors that come to mind right away. So one thing that tends to happen at the show is sometimes uh, there's like a gadget or like a yeah. something like it may not be the biggest thing. It's not like the introduction of the yeah. VCR, but it's some yeah. uh, one year there was a uh, some company did a, a like a digitally connected fork. And it was, uh, oh. the idea was like, it would keep track of what you were eating. It was this ridiculous idea, but, but it got a lot of attention. So I, I'm sure. wondering if there's anything like that, that stands out to you or a couple of things that you know about. It's funny you say fork because, uh, something that does jump to mind is, um, I think it's all these taste boosters. They're going to be over in the Venetian. It's a digitally connected spoon, but the whole thing that it <laughs> does is it fills, it uses the technology to fill in the gap again, kind of using that digital scent technology from my understanding right. fills in the gap. So if I'm eating something like low sodium and I might like salty food, this spoon theoretically fills in the gaps that makes it seem like you're getting the same eating experience of it. So that's something that I feel like- That's interesting. Right? That, that's something that that comes to my head. I'm like, I 
really want to try that out. The OVR headset, the one with the digital scent technology is, I'm curious to hear how people are going to, how, how that experience is going to go again over right. the Venetian. Those are two that jump right out to me. And then, I mean, the beauty is, as you said, the show opens Thursday, but we have media day uh, tomorrow. Yeah. So we'll see a lot of announcements then. And that's usually, I, I track what products like, I usually try to keep track of what products go up and that's usually right. tomorrow's yeah, day. It is, it, tomorrow, <laughs> is, tomorrow is wall-to-wall -to -wall press conferences yep. starting at 8 o'clock in the morning. Very exciting. Uh, LG well is almost always first, right? Yeah, yeah they're first. usually pretty early. I mean, Panasonic will be there. We're going to have a wide range of them too. Again, kind of right. cutting across different industries right. as you were talking about with the keynotes. Right, right. Well, it's going to be a fantastic week, I think. Um, it's going to be a blast. It's, uh, it, it is a turning point year for the show, so we'll, it'll be fascinating to see what what people on uh, what what people introduce, the way people react to the technology, and um, it, it's uh, it's nice to be back in Las Vegas for a full size CES as opposed to last year. It's really nice to be back. I'm I'm just there's a different sort of vibrancy that you get when you're back here on the show floor. Um, and then we were talking about the top products, right? It's the serendipity. What's that product going to be? Right. What's that booth going to be? Right. Um, you only get that in person. Yeah. Uh, so and I'm excited. We'll be, uh, Barron's will be reporting on this. Uh, I say we, by which I mean me. Uh, so <laughs> I'll, I'll be at the show all week. Uh, we'll be covering the show um, on the website all week long. Hope you can uh, stop by and take, take a look at that. Thank you for uh, for being with us, Brian. In particular, thank you for being with us today um, as we get started on the show. I'm looking at my phone because I have to read my official uh, sign off here. Um, so uh, uh, please join us again tomorrow um, for our second uh, Barron's Live of the Year, Market Watch housing reporter, um, Arthi uh, Swamiyanthan, sorry, Arthi, if I'm mispronouncing your name, will be speaking with Redfin CEO Glenn Kalman about uh, the outlook for real estate in uh, 2023. Um, have a fantastic new year. Thank you for being with us this morning, and uh, please stay safe. Thanks very much. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.